Hello there and a very happy new year to you. I'm very excited to be back with a brand new episode for you, kicking off the new year with a wonderful guest. I was lucky enough to chat with Wallace McDowell, formerly known as Wallace, about how she's navigated her way through the pandemic so far and what she's learnt along the ride. Wallace is a fantastic up-and-coming artist. She released her third single, Pleasures, in November last year and has become a familiar voice on BBC Introducing with her first two singles, Never Gonna Be and Attitude, both featuring on the show. And to add to her successes, she has now been announced as one of the ones to watch by BBC Introducing of 2021. So big things coming for Wallace in 2021. But here's what went down when we had a little chat about her journey through 2020. So first of all, I thought maybe we'll just find out a little bit more about you before we sort of delve into the deeper topics here. So you're a northern girl from Barrow. Was music and songwriting something you've always sort of wanted to do? Um, If I'm honest, it was always very much singing and performing for me. I just, I didn't really know what sort of route to go down. I mean, it was always, it was always a stage and I always wanted to entertain. But I just think when you're young, I had singing lessons from like the age of three, but my singing teacher was classical. And there were just so many options to go into, but I naturally like gravitated towards musical theatre. Then I'd also listen to a lot of music and like obviously when you see X Factor and stuff when you're younger and Britain's Got Talent you think oh I could do that or like oh I wonder if I went on there I probably even from a young age wouldn't like bust out a musical theatre song do you know what I mean it's just always been music for me of, of any genre but my training like is predominantly musical theatre yeah and so being a northern girl how did you find moving to London. So for those who don't know, Wallace went to Sylvia Young Theatre School and then on to the Brit School. So how was that as an experience as a as a young girl sort of moving down to London and being with these like-minded people? I mean, up north, there's a very select few people that understand what you do and what you want to do. And that's not poo-pooing my hometown at all, because I'm very, very... If you listen to any interviews that I do with radio stations, I'm so patriotic towards Barrow. I love it. But yeah, it is one of them things, like, you sort of put into... Like, you're always told, oh, you're too loud, or, oh, she's she's very loud, she's very dramatic, she's very over the top. And um, I just think it's because I wasn't, I wasn't sort of in the right environment for what I wanted to do. So I went, I actually, um, when I went to Sylvia Young, I did her, because um, she's still like, Sylvia is like a still alive, kicking, breathing person. <laughs> but when I'm, I went to the Easter school, and then I did a summer school as well. And I was just blown away by it because everybody was like me and everybody loved it and everyone sort of, we bounced off each other. Whereas, like I said, my old school, as much as I'm still like my best friends and everything, but they just sort of didn't get it. Yeah, it's like you say, it's just amazing, isn't it? You walk into this room of like-minded individuals and suddenly it's like it all makes sense. You know, you've found your calling and your people. And like you say, you learn so much from other people in those environments as well. Yeah, exactly. People just didn't really... Not that they didn't understand me, because I was very sporty as well. Like, I played basketball for Northwest. We did... My school was very, very heavily focused on sport. So I was, like, captain of netball and everything. And I loved sport. And I swam competitively. So 
I was I was in a lot of sort of um bubbles and circles sort of thing but singing for me and performing that is where I feel oh, I'm home it's me do, do you know what I mean oh, yeah and there's something so special about that so despite 2020 throwing us some real curveballs, it was an incredible year for you. Your third single, Pleasures, dropped in November 2020 and your first two singles, Never Gonna Be and Attitude, were both very successful, making it to BBC Radio 1's Introducing Show and making it BBC Introducing Track of the Week. Um, but before we get into that, let's take it back to where you were at pre-pandemic. So March, April time what was going on for you you know what was what was in the pipeline i was actually meant to be on a cruise when i left the brit school i loved music and i'd see people on the music strand and i'd be like oh i think it was at brit school where i realized coming into my last couple of months i was like i love musical theater but i don't get that urge to want to be on the stage anymore i can appreciate it and i love it but i'm like oh i don't know and like it wasn't really a thing of oh, i want to write my own songs i just knew i wanted to be sort of more in the straight music sort of bubble when i left brit i was still very much chasing this musical theater thing but i was falling like into other like brackets and i started doing some session singing and then my housemate who was amazing she she's gigs full-time for her work she was like oh you do do musical theater and obviously she gigs and i was starting to meet all these musicians and i was going to jam nights i was going to ronnie scott so yeah i was doing all that and i was in this bubble then i started gigging and i was like oh my god and i loved it like i had a band you can take control of the band like you can do another chorus you can add to like oh you can do breakdowns and honestly i just felt like this is the type of stage i need to be on like do, do you know what i mean i still had my agent and she's amazing. She's and with Cooper Searle, and um, I auditioned. So I was auditioning. Obviously, I wasn't. I wasn't auditioning loads, but because um, every audition I went to, they're like, "Oh, you sound too contemporary for us." So she sent me for a Viking cruise, and I was a bit like, "Oh, another cruise." We've all waited in them lines for hours on end. Like we've all been to the opens. We've all done it. So when she mentioned Viking, I was like, "Oh, it's a cruise. Here we go." But it was. It was a bit different because it's a small vessel and there's only four performers and that's the team. So I was a bit like, oh, I'll give it a go. I'm not, I'm not a um, a pessimistic person at all, but there's <laughs> there's only so many times you can go to auditions for certain things and you're like, I've been told this, 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 this. I've been seen by this person how many times? So I was a bit like, all right, okay, well, I know I'm not, I'll go in with an open mind, but it's not really me. And at this point I was really falling out of it thinking I want to record like gig full time and start recording and so I went and um I did it and I think I got there at 10 in the morning and I was like there were stages throughout the day because they needed to cast it like ASAP so um as, as I say I was there at 10 and then I left at about six and then my agent got a call like honestly it was for two days she was like check your emails and I was like are you joking I got and I got it I honestly, no I couldn't way. believe Look it. I felt though, I was like, right, I can do yeah, it. It must have felt like all that musical theatre training, you know, was worth it. Yeah, and it's so worth it, regardless of what line of performing you want to go into, I think. But I was like, oh, I felt I could finally say, well, you know what? I finally got a musical theatre job. Yeah, it's almost like that strange self-validation, like as if you need to prove it to yourself that you can. Yeah, not that anybody is thinking lower of me or not that anybody's thinking this, but it's like the self-validation, like, oh, well, I can do it and I did it. But then yeah. when I got it, I was like, right, I've got it. And I think it just, oh God, it's my agents listening to me now. <laughs> Honestly, I think it just sort of like wore off. I was like, right, I've got it. 
yeah because you must have had that initial excitement but it's probably the realization of the reality of it okay like what is the job what am I going to be spending the next however long doing yeah exactly and it was right I've got the job I now have to take six months off I have to start renting my house off I'm not going to see which I mean I moved away at 13 it's no biggie not seeing my mum and dad for a bit but (laughs) as much as I love them (laughs) yeah shout out mum and dad it was like that thing of oh it actually kicked into what I was getting into and like I'm going to be honest, I probably was a bit out of training with the dancing and everything. I was thinking the rehearsals and because it was such a quick turnaround because I was joining another team, I was like, oh my God. And I think that's why everything happened so quickly. But once once I got the job, um, the girl that I was replacing actually turned around and said, um, oh, I actually, I want to do it now. I've changed my mind. So my agent was obviously like to, to Viking, well, how does that work? How can she just click her fingers and all of a sudden my client hasn't got... They were like, no, we're going to make sure she has one. But I think my producer as well, like, the more and more it was settling into I was going, I just, I was like, this isn't what I want to do. It's just not. Wow, yeah. And maybe it it, it took to actually get that job for you to realise that maybe it's not the avenue you want to pursue and maybe you wouldn't have realised had you not have had that experience. Yeah, and the more and more I was working on my original and the more and more I was, like, coming to the realisation of I've got to leave all of this for six months and we were trying to think about... um, Because my producer, I met him by doing session work for him because he's a ghostwriter and then we decided... Like, he was like, oh, you're doing your own stuff. And I was like, yeah, and I played him it. And he was like, no, we could do so much better than this. He's a massive, massive advocate of my voice. Like, he loves my voice. And it was like a miracle that I met this person because, like, all of my songs have been done with him. And honestly, like, he sat us down. He was like, what do you want to be, like, when you grow up? I know that sounded ridiculous, but I'm 24 in January. So I was like, what do you want to do? Do you want to go and sing ABBA songs on a cruise ship? Or do you want to write your own music? And I was like, oh, God. So then I had to make the call to my agent. And I was like, I just don't want to do it. And she and I'd literally signed a week before I signed the contract. And she was like, why did you sign that contract? But I was like, listen, everything happens for a reason. How I look at it is if I had gone on that cruise ship, I wouldn't have my first single out. And when I think of how it could have been, it honestly makes me like shudder. So I'm like, oh, thank God, because COVID happened. Exactly. And it just proves how important it is to listen to your gut sometimes. And I think also in the musical theatre industry, there is a pressure to sort of take any job you do get because we all know how tough it is. Um, But actually, it's important to be true to yourself sometimes and be like, actually, no, I don't think this is for me. Um, so yeah, it shows great strength, I think. Yeah, I mean, by 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 no means was it an easy decision. Like it wasn't just one I made like that. I obviously I sat. I'm an only child, so my mum and dad, like and me, we were all very close. And I sat with them, and I was like, listen. But I just said to my mum and dad, like in retrospect, I said, what did you see me as when I was younger? They were like a singer, like a recording artist. I was like, exactly. So I'm going on a cruise ship for six months, and they were like, well, when you put it like that, love. But I'm I'm big enough and ugly enough to make my own decisions. So in terms of lockdown then, you know, the first, the second, and if you call this one a third, I don't know. um, Have you found that the lockdowns have had a big impact on your progress in terms of recording your music? It it did and it didn't. I mean, um, Never Gonna Be was already out and that obviously I would have done loads, I would have tried to do a showcase of it and stuff, but obviously we couldn't because we couldn't perform anywhere. But um, the song was recorded and it was finished and then we went into lockdown so I was quite lucky in that but it was I think it was Attitude that we did a bit in 
yeah, Attitude was the one that was actually the harder one to record because that was my second and we were still in a lockdown and not allowed to go anywhere. And the thing is with the music industry, it's so fickle. People forget who you are if you're not consistent with your music. And like my first single got played on Radio 1. That was one of the biggest achievements I've ever had in my life. Like, honestly, I was like, people say it was hours of lockdown and I'm like, absolutely unbelievable like like Hugh Stevens said my name so when people say that to me like well when people ask how it is I'm like it was amazing I'm, I'm so grateful for it but like after that you need to keep the ball rolling like I'm just little Wallace not a lot of people know about me yet not a lot of people but um, and I say yet because I am I'm very very determined well, I think realistically you have to be in this industry um and in terms of sort of the lack of live gigging how have you dealt with that yeah if, I, if I'm honest if I didn't have my original stuff and I wasn't like doing that I think I would have been a lot worse if, I, if I'm being honest with you like I know some of my friends and musicians have had to give up the houses and move back in with the mum and dad like wherever they're from in different parts of the country like I don't think people realize how much of a toll this has had on like on musicians like it's been devastating absolutely devastating and not even just for like the musicians like for w the wedding planners for the party planners for the event like venues have had to close because they haven't been able to put parties on like when you actually deep it I mean the amount of money I have lost this year is like honestly it's shock it like it's absolutely appalling like I've taken a cut on my yearly earnings like I'm back to where I was when I first went self-employed for the first year do you know what I mean like it's absolutely yeah. gastronomical mm. like we're talking thousands of pounds if you put it into perspective during the summer months so like um May June July August and start of September I, I'm out Friday Saturday Sunday some Thursdays like like little gigs during the day on rooftops little parties like ev and like you're talking 300 pounds a pop you're not talking like like 50 quid here like we're talking a lot of money it's sad it really is sad i love i love nothing more than singing with a live band and i really get performing and i just think I, I love it i enjoy it so so much and to not be able to do that i mean you can't write it and like all the New Year's Eve gigs, like where we earn probably they're our best paying gigs of the year because it's like triple your fee. And venues, it all stops again. It's like just as we were getting a little bit better, it's literally plummeted. Exactly. It's people's livelihoods at the end of the day. And in terms of how the government have dealt with the whole the whole pandemic, with as, you know, looking after you as a self-employed artist, you know, how do you think they've dealt with it? I just think that, and I may be not on the same page as a lot of people here, but I just think that the guidelines and all of these lockdowns they needed to be stricter and they needed to happen quicker because we wouldn't have been like up and down if they'd have been more strict. I really do think it's been an absolute shit show. And I get, I really do understand that like saying it's not as easy as just saying stay in your houses because there's the mental health i mean the suicide rate absolutely skyrocketed since and i get it people need physical human contacts but i just think especially for musicians i don't think they've taken into consideration the impact that it's had i mean because what what do people do when they're in lockdown? They're on Netflix, they were listening to music. Like, it's like we, that's what we do. That's our lives, that's what we create. And we've just sort of been left in the lurch. I mean, 
people like I've, I've had to get a full-time job because of it I don't think people understand like if I want to stay in London I mean obviously my mum and dad had helped me out as much as they can but I work full-time with special needs children and it's like that's because like of all the gigs that have been cancelled my residencies have been cancelled and I just don't think he's actually deeped it oh well maybe you should like retrain it's like oh, I just feel people think that performing is a hobby and they don't think it's a money earning job and I think that is the problem and once we get that right and people actually think oh they do this for a living it's not just a yeah because people do do it as a hobby but if I actually sat him down and said well actually no I left home at 13 I had intensive training about 10 dance classes a week my voice train everything then I went to another institution but like people don't understand what we do is so hard it's so tough and maybe some people don't understand quite how skilled and incredibly talented you need to be to be able to make a living out of it and this is another thing as well like people say oh when are you famous yet like oh you're successful hang on a minute if you can say you are earning a living from performing to me you've made it you've made it because it's like that's what I've trained to do I didn't move to London to twiddle my thumbs and it's like for us or people say plan b it's like for us we don't have plan b there is no plan b I would have not have trained for like nearly half my life to then go oh but I'm just gonna have that because me like for me and this may be a bit you know a lot of people won't agree with it but if you've got a plan b you're already thinking you're gonna fail in your head and i get it people want it for the for the financial safety for the financial security to have like if it doesn't work i completely understand we are in a brutal fickle horrible judgmental industry i get it but my mentality and the way i've been trained taught brought up if you've got a plan B, you're already thinking you're going to fail at some point. So it's it's just all or nothing and it's it, it's hard. And I just really wish that Bozo would have given us a bit more support or just even acknowledged what we do. And I think it's a massive thing of respect. I can imagine people do respect musicians, but they listen, what we do is what they're watching, what they listen to, especially the performing creative industry. Like when Boris is doing his speech, do you think the camera guy... He's just a random fella that decided he wanted to do cin He's probably got a degree in cinematography or filmography. You don't know. And it's like, he's oh, the guy who's doing his sound, the guy who mixed it, like, they all trained. And that's the thing people don't realise, without the performing arts, without the creative industry, this world would be very quiet for a start. But people would use the, lose the will to live. Imagine a world without any TV, like, without any music, without any shows. Like, But I think when I take a step back... Boris Johnson, God love Bozza, he has got to please a lot of people and he's got to do right by all of this country. And it's it's a bloody hard job. And people can argue, well, he went to Eton, that's what he trained for, but nothing can prepare you for this. Nothing can prepare you for a global pandemic. Like, come on. I mean, I'm sure that's not written in the handbook, is it? <laughs> exactly. There's no how to deal with the pandemic guide for the Prime Minister. Um, but like you were saying, I just wanted to touch on that. I think it is really important to remember the place of musicians and artists in a time like this, when there's so much uncertainty, when everyone is craving escapism of some sort. And I think the creative industry is providing that on a massive scale. Um, yeah, Lip music is escape. Like I wouldn't, like I said, I wouldn't have survived. Like during lockdown, we we did concerts on our drive for our neighbours because we were literally itching. 
All we wanted to do was, and we could perform for each other, but there's, I've got a house full, I'm seeing the same faces every day. I'm, I love you, but I don't want to sing for you. We didn't, we called it live on the drive. We've got a lovely big drive and we didn't think anything of it. And we just put little notes around like, oh, um, we, we're a house full of creatives and we're going to do a show. My friend's got a big PA system who I live with. And uh, we didn't expect anybody to come. About 50 odd people turned up. But then we started panicking because it was like, we're in a pandemic. You've got that one grumpy neighbour that's probably going to complain and shut you down. But honestly, our, our next door neighbours, next door but one, we've got um, apartments next to us. They all came out. But we were getting wine. We were getting chocolate cakes. Honestly, it just brought the community together. And now we walk down the streets in London, people like, you can live with your neighbour for five years next and door. And not have a clue who Exactly. Are. But now we walk down the street. We see people and it's lovely. Like, just to, just to like, know our neighbours' first names and say hello to them if we bump into them in, like, Sainsbury's. It's like, oh, hiya. And it, it was just so lovely. So when you've got Boris poo-pooing you and saying it's not a valuable industry, it's like, well, hang on a minute. I could guarantee if I got one of my neighbours to write to you, every single one of them would say we have made their lockdown. Oh, absolutely. And I think that element of community has proved to be so important throughout the pandemic this far. Um, and in the same sense, I think it's just little things like your live on the drive that would have brightened up their day. I think small gestures and it's the little things in life that really do make the difference. Um, and in that sense, do you think, you know, moving forward, have you learned anything from the pandemic? Has there been, has it changed your headspace and sort of the way you approach life and what you do a little bit? I value what I do so much more now. And I'm not, honestly, sometimes... I'd find myself on a way to a gig being a bit like, oh, I can't be bothered. Not anymore. Never again. Never again. This year, like, value, like, I value my training. I value, like, the, the people I've got around me. Like, everyone's healthy. Touch wood, like, no one's been severely ill that I know because of this pandemic. And honestly, I think I just appreciate everything that little bit more. Like, I mean, I know I'm very lucky. I live in London. I live in, like, one of the best cities in the world. And... I always have to pinch myself that I live here sometimes. But in in general, I just think now, like I'm 24 in January, I just think life is so bloody short. It really is. And this year, like we've been not able to do normal day-to-day -day things. So value, like valuing my, my, my music, being able to actually have the, like, have the, the materials to go into a studio and record a song that I've written. Honestly, I just, I'm so appreciative that the amount of times I've spoke to my mum and just got emotional and cried just about everything because I'm just so bloody fortunate. I think you're not alone in that. I think it's made everyone realise just how grateful they are for everything. It's been the year that's put everything into perspective, I think. But looking forward, 2021, what is in store for Wallace? more and more music and the minute I can start actually going out and performing I'm going to do a showcase you know invite some people down to it I want to be signed like to a management I want to be working on new music like I just I want to keep going I want to keep going the pace I am I want to have a new song out in February like there's no stopping now I'm on a roll I've got three songs under my belt two of them which were done well all of them which were done in a global pandemic so if I can do that I mean next year oh absolutely the sky's the limit I, I, I often think about where I'm going to be like this time next year but I just want I still want to be doing what I'm doing I just want to be doing it on a biggest like a bigger and better scale mm -hmm. 
Well, thank you, Wallace. It was so great to speak with her. You know, you can just feel her ambition and her drive. You know, big things are in the pipeline for her, I'm sure. And what an amazing journey 2020 took her on. But I do think it's crucial, like she was saying, to listen to your gut and be true to yourself, as at the end of the day, we are all in charge of our own destiny. So you've got to make it what you want it to be. It's all about you going out there and getting what you want. Um, But I'm very excited to watch her grow as a performer. Um, I'm hoping to get Wallace onto Shoreditch Radio for a live session as soon as we possibly can. Um, So very much looking forward to that. But I hope you enjoyed this episode and watch out for a new episode dropping soon. Thank you.